Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Green Dragon Podcast. I'm your host, Aiden. And your fellow host, Tom. And your fellow host, Jake. And we're joined this week by a special guest, Eastland Ullman. Eastland, welcome to the show. Thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're excited. We're excited to have have you here tonight. And um, I'm really curious um, about a lot of different things, but um, I want to get started, you know, just a little bit of background on yourself, mm-hmm. um, you know, family growing up, uh, school, um, hobbies, what do you enjoy to do for fun? And then we'll talk about WCC because I feel like that's a, something that needs to be addressed. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So, um, I grew up in Houston, Texas until I was 11. Mom was Catholic. Dad was Lutheran until I was nine. So there's like a little bit of Protestantism and Catholicism influencing me as I grew up. But um, he converted when I was nine, got to be at his confirmation. We moved to New Mexico, which was my mom's family's home when I was 11. Um, And I feel like I was mostly formed by New Mexico, the culture, um, their cultural version of Catholicism, the landscapes. so very influenced by that beauty. I also started being homeschooled when I moved to New Mexico. Um, so I started having a very different experience, um, had been in public school up until that point. Um, definitely always because of that, I'm like the most extroverted person in my family and I'm still an introvert. So I grew up with, um, you know, not doing a lot of social outings and things like that. And so by the time I hit high school, I was really craving a lot of community um, I visited two schools. I visited Christendom and Wyoming Catholic, and I thought I was going to go to Christendom and I went and visited and just felt off. Didn't feel like it was for me. And then I visited Wyoming Catholic, went to a St. Patty's day party, met a bunch of awesome people. And I was like, you know what? This place seems pretty great. <laughs> um, and as far as like hobbies go, um, as I was saying, I'm about to be an art teacher this fall. So I do art, I do gardening. Um, I'm really into rock climbing, reading. I will always be down to go on an adventure. I just went and rafted the river um, in town this weekend. So always willing to do fun stuff. (laughs) Nice, nice, that's awesome. So first, a few questions here Um, and I'll I'll let Jake ask questions too. I promise I won't hog hog the mic tonight, guys. what was it like growing up? Like you said, um, you were influenced by the the area you grew up in in New Mexico. What do you mean by that? What what area of New Mexico did you grow up in? Sorry if I missed I it. I grew up in Las Cruces, so that's like very southern, like forty five minutes from Mexico. Oh wow, yeah, that's like um, that's not far from the border at all. I think no. I know where that's at. Yeah, yeah, okay. So so you you said it was. Um, uh, the Catholicism there was deeply impacted by the culture. What do you yeah. mean by that? Yeah, so you'll see a lot of, you know, celebrations of specific saints and specific mm-hmm. feast days. So like Our Lady of Guadalupe ended up becoming one of my favorite feast days because there were heritage pieces from the Mexican culture that had been kind of incorporated from the days when they were more pagan into 
the Christian celebration of those feasts. So on the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, they would do a um, dance in her honor outside of the church, and then you would have mass, and then you would, you know, gather together and have hot cocoa and eat pozole afterwards. Um, and, you know, things like um, Las Posadas, which is like a reenactment of Mary and Joseph being turned away from the inn. Um, and so I had never experienced Catholicism like that, where there was more of a grounding in the, the human part of us as well, not just we go to church on Sundays, we do the spiritual thing, but also this is, you know, now I had, was seeing something that was part of a bigger culture and not just confined to a church building, you know? Yeah, that's, that's really cool. I, I will say that Our Lady of Guadalupe's feast day is also one of my favorite, and mostly because of the food. <laughs> um, That's fair. And 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 where 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 we grew, me and Tom and and Jake, we actually all grew up going to the same church. And where we grew up in Batavia, Illinois, so it's about forty minutes west of Chicago. Um, and there's a lot of uh, Hispanic people there, and so the the food and the heritage there. I mean, like you walk into any. I mean, Mexican restaurant, and they've got Our Lady of Guadalupe there, and usually a couple other, you know, saints. Um, so it's it's kind of cool, but yeah, the food the food's incredible. It's it's yeah. probably my favorite cuisine, um, yeah. by far. Uh, I absolutely love it. That's that's really cool. I think there's <laughs> I, I think there's I think there's something really cool though when you see um, a community that engaged in their faith. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it's really, I think, a breath of fresh air if you come from like a church or a community that's just not that involved in their faith and they just kind of show up on Sundays and leave. And whenever you see a community like that, it's like, oh, yeah, I want to I be a part of something like that. Because I think the community aspect of the faith is, is something that's really, really critical. Yeah, absolutely. And it seems like that's something that WCC has going for it. Yep, 100%. Awesome. So were you the first of your siblings to go to WCC? You said you had, I'm, how many siblings do you have? Yeah, I have four younger sisters and I'm the oldest of, okay. of five. So I'm the first to do everything. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I see. So are any of them persuaded now to go to WCC? Are any of them there? Um, or, no. Or they, no, they're just like, nope, no, absolutely I'm not. Like, I'm kind of the... I'm, I'm kind of, I'm the adventurous one in my family. In addition to being the most extroverted, I'm also the most, <laughs> so everyone else is still just at home right now. So, <laughs> okay. 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 I got it. I, I was just curious because I feel like a lot of the people we've talked to, you know, Tom, Tom uh, included, you know, a lot of their siblings also went to the school. So I was just curious. Mm -hmm. I was like, it seems like a, like if it's like a, a rite of passage, if you go to WCC, you also have to like bring like three of your siblings with you. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried. It's too funny. Too funny. Um, so I actually went to uh, visit Christendom as well. Mm -hmm. What was it the community aspect or is it, was it what, what made it what made uh, Wyoming Catholic more attractive than Christendom? Mm -hmm. um, so to be honest, a lot of what I felt at Christendom was very intuitive. I kind of just was on campus and it felt like it wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. 
wasn't anything concrete that I saw that told me I shouldn't be here. Yeah. Um, but something that did distinguish Wyoming Catholic from Christendom was, and I actually just recently found like a note in my phone from when I had gone on the scholarship competition my senior year of high school. And I wrote something along the lines of the students at Wyoming Catholic are learning how to think for themselves. Um, and I don't think, not saying that Christendom grads don't do this, um, but I didn't pick up on it in the same way that it was made very obvious by the entire community at Wyoming Catholic. Mm. That's really cool. That's something that's lacking too from a lot of higher education. Um, me and Jake both went to the same the same college in, in Naperville, Illinois. So it wasn't wasn't that far from home. And and yeah, you just there's so many brainwashed people out there, and you're just taught to be uh, a, another you know just mindless cog in the machine. It's it's really sad. And like if you if you think if you think for yourself, you're oftentimes ostracized and just kind of. Mm -hmm looked at as an outsider too. And so it's cool when you can find a community that encourages that that development, because that's, I mean, it's absolutely critical for, for people to learn how to think for themselves. I mean, that's how you become better. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think you said this too, so not like, I think our class kind of wanted to everything that they could offer. Yeah, I agree. So I think that made our college experience a lot better then I think I've seen other classes because I know like when we came in, we were like so like ready to do the three week trip. Mm -hmm. And then when we got back, we were like, we get to study now. And everyone was yeah. like, you're weird. <laughs> like maybe, <laughs> but yeah. it was great. Yeah, no, our professors even said things like we're one of their favorite classes. And granted there's only been like 13 classes at WCC, but still like we're, we're doing pretty good. We did good. <laughs> yeah, yeah um okay walk me through this outdoor trip because this is the thing i feel like i've missed out the most hearing from everybody that's gone there um and it's something like i i feel like now i'm still missing out on because i love being outside and i mean i don't know when i'm going to get an opportunity to do a three-week outdoor trip like <laughs> work and i mean just the logistics of planning something like that i don't even have three weeks of vacation to take um but walk me through this. I mean, that's a huge selling point, at least for me. Was that a huge selling point for you or is it kind of just like, this is something I'm gonna get through? <laughs> yeah, I. it's actually really funny. I When I initially saw the pamphlets from Wyoming Catholic, I actually threw them away because there were backpackers on them. I was like, I don't think I really wanna go to a school with backpacking. But the more I thought about it, I was I was attracted to the idea of adventure, not necessarily the outdoors. So I saw the outdoors as kind of an avenue for doing things that were greater than me and adventurous. Um, and I, I don't think I really knew what I was getting into because I remember very distinctly, we rode to the trailhead on this big yellow bus and we're like, you know, on the edge of a cliff and there's trees and I'm thinking I'm about to go into the woods for three weeks. What am I doing? What did I get myself into? Um, so I was simultaneously excited and very nervous. And the first week and a half, I was actually quite miserable. Um, but then realized <laughs> that I needed to either decide to live it and love it, or I shouldn't be there. And so then after a week and a half, um, I actually started doing really well and I really enjoyed it. That's awesome. That's, 
it, okay, what's it like being outside for three weeks without like any like any can like any of the normal conveniences of being close to running water? I mean, like everything. I mean, it's just you're out in the middle of nowhere. Nowhere. It's 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 crazy. What's what's that like? I mean, had you had you ever done anything like that before? Or was this like the this was the first time? Yeah, it was actually the first time I had ever gone camping. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um I was I think actually at the time the hardest thing for me was being away from my family. Um, because I didn't have, you know, my mom and my sisters to talk to who I always kind of processed things with. Um, and another weird piece of it that I didn't expect was never seeing myself in a mirror. And so I went a long time without seeing myself and I went a long time without any technology. Um, and it was in many ways, it was almost dreamlike like I can kind of think back to times when I was out there and it feels like a it feels like I entered into a separate place and then I remember the distinct moment when I entered back into the world and I heard like a car at the trailhead playing music from its speakers for the first time it was a very weird kind of like shocking experience to hear music again after three weeks so it was yeah I would I would say transformative and ethereal are some good words for that experience <laughs> definitely yeah. Yeah. I, I can't imagine. I mean, we were joking around before, like me not being able to go like a day without Wi-Fi. Um, yeah. But but in all reality, like um, I remember two years or no, I said three years ago, three years ago, I went on a um, week long fishing trip up in Canada. Uh, but you had to boat out into this middle. I mean, this lake's massive. It was a 40 minute boat ride to get out to your camp. And then once you got to the camp, everything was run off a generator. And we were out yeah. there for a week. So you had to bring in everything. I remember just like how peaceful it was to be completely disconnected from technology, not have to worry about anything. Mm. Um, it was like probably the most peace I've ever felt. Um, and so you get bits and pieces of that. Like when you go outside and you, you take a hike, I, I enjoy going out on the weekends, but you never can quite replicate that feeling of just completely disconnecting other than completely disconnecting and it's awesome. there's and there's nothing like better than doing it in a beautiful like beautiful scenery with animals and you get to you start you start to i feel like your senses start to become more um you you become more aware of your senses yeah like it's incredible and like most people miss out of that on that and it's it's really too bad yeah Jake, do you have any questions? I feel like I've been hogging the mic. <laughs> no, you're good. This was all, all good topics. Um, Eastland, I know you mentioned uh, when discussing your hobbies that reading was one of them, and that stood out to me because I feel like that's an increasingly scarce activity among our generation. So I was just curious what genres or authors you're into. Yeah. I actually went through a period after graduation where it was really, really hard for me to read. Um, so I returned to children's books. Um, so I started reading Winnie the Pooh this week, last week, or not last week, last year. I um, actually reread the whole Harry Potter series. Um, I, yeah, so I read a lot of stuff from when I was a kid to kind of like reset my imagination after doing really intense studies for four years. Um, 
and have more recently returned to different spiritual authors, like my favorite spiritual authors, um, Father Jacques Philippe right now. Oh, yeah. Um, he's excellent. Yeah. Um, I assume you've read uh, Interior Freedom then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. He actually uh, came to uh, the parish that Aiden and Tom and I grew up at a couple of years ago. So we had or I had the opportunity to do a, like a uh, like an all day retreat that he gave. It was really, really neat experience. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And I've been I've been really trying to get into um, more genres. I want to return to the classics as well. So I, I reread um, some more recent classics. So I reread uh, Fahrenheit 451. I've been getting into a little bit of Ray Bradbury, some sci-fi. I That's been really fun too. That's kind of the transition, I think, from children's books to the classics again, because it's it's a little easier to digest. It's kind of fun, fast paced, um, but there's a little bit more depth. So I also recently read um, Ender's Game. Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah. Going from Winnie the Pooh to Fahrenheit 451, <laughs> that's quite the, yeah. uh, quite the jump. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, yeah, it's good to broaden, broaden your horizons like that. Yeah, I think like <clears throat> after school, I've heard it's a, a common thing for WCC students to have PTSD over reading. So like, <laughs> everyone's like, they don't even want to touch a book for just half a year and then like slowly get acclimated. Mm -hmm. But it's true because if you, as someone, Juliana Newman, mm -hmm. she stood up all of the books that we read in school and it was like 10 feet or 15 feet tall. It was crazy. Like, wow. <laughs> I was like, oh wow, like that makes a lot more sense because on an average day, you would probably read at least 50 pages. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say 50, 60. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then like in Humanities uh, 402, that was a ton because we had Dostoevsky, we had Moby Dick, yeah. and we had all sorts of things. So it was like 100 philosophers. <laughs> yeah. John Paul II. Oh, yeah, he's thick. Yeah, <laughs> very much so, very dense, yeah. hard to read sometimes. <laughs> just like, how does his mind work like this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah, that is, that sounds intense. But yeah, the more I, the more I hear about the school, kind of echoing what Aiden said uh, earlier, I really, really uh, feel like I missed out. It makes you really disappointed in, in other universities. <laughs> like, I'm just going to be honest. I don't think yeah. I think in all four years I read like three books and they were horrible and I chose not to read. Um, I mean, granted, I was a, I was a, a marketing and um, international business major, but still like I had to go through gen eds. Um, yeah, it was disappointing to say the least. I did experience that like that readers fatigue that you guys are talking about a little bit on a small scale in high school because my mom put me I was homeschooled so my mom put me through this curriculum called Colby Academy um I don't know if you're familiar with it but like oh it was like the Iliad the Odyssey I think we had one year of Greek one year of Roman and then like a bunch of like medieval like that that era of authors and I got done with high school and it's like I'm not touching a book yeah. I, I won't do it. <laughs> I'll spark notes in college. Like I'll, <laughs> I was, I was very against reading for a while, but yeah, it's good. To, it's good. Uh, I got back into it finally. Um, and it's like, just re like flipping the pages. There's something like therapeutic 
Um, Like, I don't know how people read on these like Kindles and stuff like that. I don't know if you can do that. I can't, I can't do it. I quit after like three pages. I'm like, forget this. I I can't do it. No, there's something very, there's always been something very um, important about the tactile experience of reading Mm. a book. Um, You start to realize, because, you know, it's different to kind of like, oh, I opened Dostoevsky on my Kindle. But then when you see the book that's like this thick in front of you, that's a completely different thing. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's almost like um, more of a, like, obviously it's a, a, a time commitment, but it's almost more of a mental challenge to say, I'm going to sit down and do this every single day and try to get through this. Like yeah. That requires a lot of mental, mental strength and fortitude to, to be able to do that. Yeah, definitely. I want to move, um, just kind of transition into kind of the main topic that was proposed for this evening. Um, just because we're talking about a form of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tom said you wanted to talk about entertainment and what makes for good entertainment, especially for children. Um, maybe we should start off by a definition of how you would define entertainment, because I think there's a lot of different ways people define entertainment and it could be all over the place. So how would you go about defining entertainment? That is the question that I've been thinking <laughs> about since Tom sent me the outline for this episode. I don't think I actually have an answer. I'm sorry for my broad, I, I wrote it. So I'm sorry for my super broad questions. I figured go okay. go broad and, and, and hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think, cause the idea of entertainment has been around for a long time. But I think there is a real distinction between, because there's, there's like spectacle. So you'd have like the Romans and the, the kind of the, the circuses and the Colosseum and the games that they would have. That's a kind of entertainment. And in some ways, the kind of entertainment we're talking about now is, is similar to that because it's something that you're watching. It's something that you feel excited about. It's something that engages your senses and is kind of intense. Um, but then there's also like, the entertainment of playing croquet and that's wildly different from watching people get ripped apart by animals um so i think entertainment it's it's hard to define and it depends on if you want to have because there's entertainment that's mindless there's entertainment that is beneficial and helps you grow um so i think it's honestly very difficult to pin down unless you want to kind of like Unless you want to define, you can, I think you can choose to define it very specific ways, but because it's a human activity that we did actually come up with ourselves, it's a little hard to define. Sure. I, I, yeah, I totally understand. You mentioned, you know, entertainment that's beneficial and entertainment that's, you know, kind of mindless and Mm -hmm. quite honestly, probably doesn't add a lot of value to your life. Could you give some examples, just a few examples of both, because I think that might help listeners kind of categorize the two. Yeah. Um, I think entertainment that is beneficial. The first thing that comes to mind is actually like physical exercise. Um, I was to kind of round out my understanding of entertainment. I was actually reading St. Francis de Sales introduction to the devout life to kind of see what he said about amusements. Um, and he was saying, you know, things like, um, 
you know, playing a game, some kind of sport, or um, chess, because that's good for your mind. It's kind of a mental exercise. So there's, there's those things um, that kind of help you grow in some way. And then I think there's also the beneficial kinds of entertainment, um, thinking about media specifically that are beautiful or make you see the world from a different perspective that you haven't seen it before. Um, and then the kind of mindless ones, I think can often be like scrolling on social media um, or some of the really, really dumb kids shows that you like, you just get a laugh out of, um, which laughter is not a bad thing, but it is at least often mindless and you're just waiting for the next laugh. Um, so those, those are the first things that come to mind. So TikTok's not on the list of um, useful entertainment. <laughs> That's what I'm getting not. here. <laughs> <laughs> no. yeah. Not what I might categorize as positively harmful. <laughs> <laughs> A whole new category. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's uh, that's actually when TikTok came out, I was like, there's no way I'm doing that. Um, I was already somewhat addicted to Instagram, which I just deleted it. I removed it because I was like for a while. Good job. Was like, it, it was it was tough. I mean, there was a lot of like separation anxiety going yeah. on with the with the removal of Instagram. I, I think I had it. I think I took it off for like I, it was it was when I, things were getting crazy online. And I was just like, I'm just going to get away. So I did it for like, I think eight or nine months. And I was like, oh, this is, this is kind of nice. Um, but then luckily I didn't get into the whole TikTok thing because it was right around the same time. But I think I would be scrolling my life, my life away on there. Um, I, it's, I've seen people do it and like, they didn't even try to get into it. It's just scary. Mm -hmm. Like you turn into like a zombie. Yeah, totally. And then like I was watching some some guy talk about the average, I think the average US citizen spends. Jake, I think you might have brought this up actually. In one yeah, of I think it was Is it three like, three, like four and a half hours? Four and a day. half. Four and and that half. might have been for teenagers. Um, but across the board, I think it was like three uh for individuals under thirty. So oh, yeah. But I know I've know firsthand how uh addicting it is. I mean I spent I downloaded it during uh, the first quarter of 2020 when we had the whole lockdown era um, and I had nothing else to do. So, um, yeah. And then it really, really, you don't realize how hooked on it you get until you delete it for the first time and then find yourself like any really for me, at least it was any spare moment when I wasn't doing anything to keep me occupied. I'd be looking to, flip on my phone and open the open the TikTok app. But thankfully, um, two years, two years free of it right now. So I'm a uh, Jake's two years sober guys. Two years sober. <laughs> that's, 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 that's the word I was looking for. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's definitely, definitely harmful uh, to society as a whole, especially uh, the amount of high schoolers I see just walking out on the street there everybody's everybody's got it open it's crazy yeah and then to like like go back to like younger kids too like when you have a a four or five year old walking around on their iphone because their parents bought them an iphone which is insane to me i i didn't realize how prolific that is until um my girlfriend started teaching in the elementary school she's like 
Yeah, almost mm -hmm. every third grader has a smartphone, an Apple Watch, and an iPad. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I was like, I, our family had an iPad. Um, and I don't even think I, we, our family bought an iPad until I was like 10 or 12, like for the whole family. I'm like, I can't imagine each individual kid having that. Like, I would have gotten in so much trouble. Like, I would have spent so much time on an iPad at eight years old. Mm -hmm. And then to think what that does to the, the development of the brain and everything. Yeah. <sighs> that actually brings to mind maybe like a separation from like maybe positive versus negative entertainment. Like, um, when you're talking about physical entertainment, it seems like that's the type of thing that brings you out of yourself. Mm -hmm. Like you start to experience something new mm -hmm. and novel and that brings excitement because you're learning something. Mm -hmm. It seems like with like TikTok, it kind of like sucks you into it. So it's like you have to lose your normal human faculties almost and just become mm -hmm. like, unless you're like downloading information, just like just the images, but you're yeah. not like, making or experiencing anything that would make you think differently it's kind of just like similar stuff that is funny but it's not like maybe i don't know the right term but transcendental it's mm -hmm. like when you see like the same animal videos you see the same people doing goofy stuff but it's not like you're walking outside and then you come around and you see like a beautiful waterfall like mm -hmm. It's your perspective based on that point. All your senses are engaged. Or like um, you're playing a game with your friends, you're understanding their interaction, you're understanding your interaction with them, understanding the rules of the game, how to strategize, all those types of things. It's very active. Mm -hmm. Where like, I don't think like passive in general would be wrong, but I think mm -hmm. passive to the extent that you don't want to get anything good from yeah, and I actually, I actually think it might almost be, there's something you said about um, you're kind of just seeing the same thing over and over again. There's not much that you're getting out of it or learning from it. And I almost think it's, it's like a little bit different than that. Something that I've noticed myself struggling with when I spend too much time on something like Instagram is I actually start to have so many opinions floating around in my head, just like unfiltered opinions mm. and unfiltered input that I start to wonder if I'm spending too much time, like, wait, what do I actually think about this? Yeah. And it's almost like the the rapidity, like with which you're receiving information is faster than your mind can process it. And so when you have that constant input, you're actually giving your brain too much to think about. And so you either end up clinging to the thing that is most frequently there, which is why influencers can be so harmful with different agendas that they're pushing because you're just hearing the same thing over and over again and if you don't have the logic or the quiet to filter through that then you start to be like very subtly influenced by the things that you're just seeing over and over again yeah 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 the social media echo chambers are super dangerous like that like what you're talking about right there that echo chamber and when especially like the way the algorithms are set up they only show you things that you've spent time on. So if you spend a bunch of time on, you know, watching a certain influencer, they're going to show you influencers, but not influencers with differing opinions or differing ideas. They're going to show you the same type of influencer with the same type of information. And then before you know it, 
everybody that you're watching is tailored to what the algorithm thinks that you're interested in, which in theory is a great thing, but what it actually does is it creates this echo chamber you can't escape from. And that's, yeah. it's, and you see it, like the crazy thing is, is when you meet somebody that's in the echo chamber, in their own echo chamber, and you try to have a conversation with them about like a differing opinion, they're like incapable of it. And you're just like, what? <laughs> like, this is insane. They, they, they think just because you have a differing opinion means, you know, you're wrong or, or that they need to fight you on it. And, yeah. and I, I've seen that so many times, especially going to a, a school that was mostly liberal. It was like, everybody was, that school was an echo chamber. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, social media is definitely like if over, if abused is, it's pretty dangerous. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask you, how do you think kids should be entertained then? Because I like, I look at even, well, I, I grew up with a little bit of technology like influence you know computer games stuff like that but nothing crazy like what do you think the best way to for for child the a child's development is you know entertainment wise how do you entertain your your child in 2023 yeah um i honestly think the answer is going to be fairly radical in the sense that you're gonna have to separate them from the thing that's kind of the stereotypical thing to do um I was just reading up last night on some statistics and suggestions from different health organizations and some very mainstream health organizations suggest that you have zero screen time for children under the age of two, I believe. And until, um, I think it was until they were six or seven years old, they should have not more than an hour a day. Um, and that's not even a whole movie. And that's a pretty, you know, I was definitely going to the, and I think things like maybe the movie theater every once in a while would be okay. Um, but the kind of input we have now, like I grew up with like background TV and a little bit of video games, but now like the iPads, the iPhones, um, it's insane. And so I think there's definitely a kind of personal modeling that the adults in a child's life would have to do. And so you'd kind of have to sacrifice that, that technology time and have no screens, have the attention to the child that the child needs, um, and be doing a ton of reading. I think a ton of reading is super important, reading out loud, telling stories, sharing stories, um, letting them learn to read, having them play outside. I think that was something that was super formative for me actually is like, I tended to want to go play outside. And that was like the thing that we did when we got home from school um, and doing things with their hands, crafts, building things like that. I think that um, play, play is very, very important for children. Yeah, absolutely. I, I too was raised in a house where if you were bored, you went out and did something outside. Um, it was just kind of ingrained if you were, you know, if you went to mom and said, I'm bored, she would say, well, then go find something to do outside. Yeah. Um, which I think was great because what it taught you is to use your imagination. And that's something I think is 
slowly degrading in younger children. I remember when I lost my ability to use my imagination and I look back and I think about how sad that was. And I think it was right around probably the time screens were introduced, probably somewhere in that like 12 to 13 year old. Well, yeah, probably around right around 11 to 12. And, um, and I think the longer you're able to hold on to that, you don't want to stay in that, that stage for too long, but the ability to entertain yourself without external, like all the, all the external stimuluses is super important. Um, yeah, I think the outdoors are a really good place for kids, not only to entertain themselves, but to learn about like life. And there's a lot of lessons that I think that can be learned from being outside and doing outdoors, outdoor related activities. Um, I was re there's this book, um, by a guy, uh, by the name of Steven Ranella. He, um, actually has the Netflix show meat eater, which is like a hunting show. Uh, but he wrote a book called outdoor kids in an inside world. And it's all about like how to get your family outside of the house, um, mm -hmm. and engaged in the, in nature and the outdoors. And, um, yeah, I think like kids need that. They need that hands-on act activity as outside and it needs to be emulated by the parents and i think that's probably unfortunately that's why there's so many kids that are addicted to screens is because it's the easy it's the cop out for the parents they can just hand their kids an ipad and say go over there in the corner i don't want to deal with you right now right and um lazy parenting has uh ruined society to a certain extent yeah and i think too that um I've, I've noticed, I definitely don't want to like, you know, put our parents in a box or anything, but people who are in their generation um, don't necessarily think much. And I think this is kind of a general theme. Humans don't think much about the way that their example and their treatment of kids influences the way that they think and develop habits. Yeah. Um, and so you'll see a lot of parents do the thing where it's like, you know, I'm, I'm sitting on my phone, I'm reading news article after news article, or I'm on YouTube or whatever, and I'm telling my kid to get off their iPad, and I'm telling them to go play outside, and there's this, like, disconnect that you create, and it doesn't make sense for the child, you know, they're going to see that adult example and think, why, why do I have to be different, why don't I get the technology, um, if, if mom and dad are doing it, it, it doesn't make sense, and so, yeah, I think that that example is really really key yeah yeah no it's it's everything um it's always interesting to see the uh like i grew up playing sports so it was always interesting to see the kids you know that had the parents that you know ran they they ran too so the kids ran cross country or uh you know the dad played baseball so the son wanted to play baseball these different things um but like kids are so impressionable and they they want to be like their parents so it's I think it's one of the most critical things as a parent, you really have to set a very good example for your kids. You have to be there for them. And I mean, there's, you could go down a rabbit hole um, for all the reasons. Yeah, that's like a whole different conversation. Oh, it's, yeah. And, and, and I could, I could go on like a, a 30 minute rant about bad parents. I, I hear about it every day. It's like, you hear about some of these parents that, uh, that are, you know, that are at the school and you're just like, oh my I would lose my mind if I was, if I had to deal with those people. It's just insane how little parents, you know, actually care for their kids now. And, um, ah, 
it's it's really it's really sad um but going back to kind of the entertainment topic for kids um are there like certain genres of movies like classics that are like better than other you, you, you talked a little bit about the types types of uh, movies entertainment um that was you know tech related that it would be good for kids like i know there's a lot of movies out there that have like really good life lessons in it or lessons through the films um i think like every homeschooler probably at some point grew up watching lord of the rings uh, or like or like the, the the chronicles of narnia movies like um do you have any favorites like what are what are what are, do you have some favorites like books movies that are like your go-to's yeah um okay i definitely like different categories for what i loved as a kid and what i what i love now okay um, yeah sure if we're, if we're thinking about like children's entertainment yeah so we'll start there favorite movies from when i was a kid um probably most favorite is iron giant um love that movie um spirit which like you know being a horse girl that's kind of like a girl thing but <laughs> um let me think i it's funny that i say this but there weren't actually a lot there's only like a couple of very specific disney movies that that really stuck with me and those were like toy story um brave tangled and maybe the incredibles um and that that was pretty much it there and those those are the ones that have kind of like stuck with me into adulthood where it's like i love that movie and i would still enjoy watching it even now mm -hmm. oh, another one is babe i don't know if you've seen that one but it's about oh um, yeah Pig. Yeah. yeah the, the pig yeah <laughs> i love that one <laughs> yeah yeah that's a good one yeah i'm trying toy story is a jam i i love toy story um i'm trying to think i this the reason i brought this up is because there is good kids movies and there are bad kids movies and i discovered one the other day that is a bad kids movie um and i didn't even realize how bad it was until i watched it the other day. i think i watched this movie originally when i was 12. shrek right I, I love Shrek. I, I, <laughs> Shrek's a funny movie, but I watched it the other day. I don't even know. Uh, it was just on TV and I was doing some, do, I was organizing some things um, to go out on a, on a hiking trip. And so I just turned on the TV. Shrek was on. I was listening to some of this stuff. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they put that in there. And I was like, no wonder my parents didn't let me watch this until I was like 13 years old. <laughs> I was like, I was so mad at them, like when I was like eight or nine and they wouldn't let me watch Shrek. But now I understand. I was like, oh my gosh, that's in there. <laughs> I was like, this should be like PG-13. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, there's a lot of like kids movies that disguise or like they're adult movies disguising themselves as kids movies. Oh, I'm like, yeah. they are super funny to watch now, but oh yeah, oh yeah. Definitely had times where I like go back and I'm like, why, why was I watching this as a seven year old? You know? <laughs> yeah, and like obviously you don't understand like what's going on as a seven year old, but like that's like imprinting in your brain. Like you might not know it then, but it's yeah, it's kind of normalizing certain behaviors in your brain. You're just like, Ooh. Yeah, and I think if anything, it's also just like even if it's not directly negative immediately, it's it's not doing much, and it's kind of like it like it, in certain ways, it's normalizing like ugliness and 
subpar art and there's something to be said for humor. Humor is very important, but what kind of humor? Are you going to end up with a sophisticated and nuanced sense of humor? Or are you going to just, you know, make fart jokes for the rest of your life? Yeah. Like, you got to ask yourself what kind of humor you want your, your kids to develop. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And like PSA announcement to all the parents out there, like also don't go to the other end of the, the spectrum, which is like, like my parents did this and... I still hold, you know, a little bit of a grudge against my mother for doing it. But like up until like 10 years old, I don't know if you watch VeggieTales. VeggieTales, you know VeggieTales? I've, I've watched a little bit. Okay, I've mostly VeggieTales. watched VeggieTales as an adult, if I'm being honest. <laughs> okay. I haven't, I have not seen VeggieTales since I was 10. But my mom um, pretty much exclusively made us watch VeggieTales or VeggieTales style movies till we were 10. And I, or till I was 10. And I, I still hold a grudge against you for that i mean don't do that to your kids people I mean, it's horrible uh yeah it, it well, was it was just it wasn't a good you know i had friends they asked you know what you want to watch something my mom would be like oh no you can't watch that that's yeah. a hard i mean and there there's a time and a place for that don't get me wrong like your kids should not be watching like die hard <laughs> like, like no not not that should not be allowed that should be you know, reserved for later in life, uh, you know, is, is, is uh, stupid. That movie is it's, it's a, uh, it's my go-to in the holiday season. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, don't, don't embarrass your kids too much. There's a time and a place for it. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I've been thinking about in the past week, just thinking about this topic generally and what does make for good children's entertainment is giving kids the credit for being smarter than you want to think they are. Um, like giving like the stories, you know, the movies that I mentioned have probably some of the more complex storylines of kids movies out there. Like there's kind of, you have to infer and the, the story isn't black and white and there's not like, you know, not that moral of the story is a bad thing, but you know, learning how to watch something, um, or read something. And it's just a story presented with themes that aren't necessarily like stated for you. Um, definitely giving kids the opportunity to experience things that are like a little bit above their, maybe their current intellectual level, but that's how they grow. You know, being exposed to the way that life actually is. Yeah. Yeah, and that, and if you do that from a young enough age, you start, they start to develop that, um, that ability to kind of think through things, um, use critical thinking skills and, and, and build and develop that. And that, and that transfers over to a lot of things later in life too. Yeah. Um, but like then it, then it builds up to the, you know, the good, you know, the, the stereotypical homeschool kids movies, which are like, you know, Marvel Avengers and, uh, and uh, Chronicles of Narnia and uh, Lord of the Rings. And those are, those are great. Those are great films. And I'm not talking on them at all, but um, I think I have seen them my fair share of times i burnt myself I, I there was a there was a good stretch where that's all i watched and i think i burnt myself out on it yeah you definitely need some variety oh yeah definitely definitely what about books what are like like i think i'm trying to remember what i read growing up there was this great uh, there was this great series once you get into like i think i was in second or third grade 
and it was the illustrated classics. So it was like Charles Dickens novels, but they were illustrated and the reading level was like a second grade reading level. So you got to read all the classics, the time machine, all these, there's probably 40 or 50 of them. Mm -hmm. um, like the Iliad, all these, all these books. And that was really cool. Cause then you started to, you know, branch out a little, but the reading level wasn't too hard. And you started to learn these classic stories. And I, I really enjoyed that. What was the other one? Magic Treehouse. I don't oh, know. Yeah. Magic Treehouse was great. Mm -hmm. That's a little bit older, but like, do you have like good recommendations for books for kids? Yeah. I had an interesting, I wasn't really exposed to the classics as much until I was in high school. Mm. Um, I had the blessing of being in a public school system that actually did a fantastic job teaching me to love reading. And I've tried to kind of think about what they did to make that happen. I think, you know, it's um, in some ways I just have a natural affinity for that. Like that's part of my personality, but I also think it was fostered. Um, and a couple of things I've noticed about that and thinking my youngest sister right now actually is having a hard time enjoying reading. Like she just doesn't want to read books. Um, and for me, that's foreign. It's like, what? Like as a kid, that's literally all I wanted to do. I just like, I would get in trouble for like staying up past my bedtime and, and reading books. But I think one important thing, and this is important for kids in, in many areas, is to give them like limited choices. So you say, okay, here's four or five books. Which of these do you want to read? So they're not just always gravitating to the books about Legos or the books about horses, but they're also not just like, okay, here's this book, this is what you're reading now, and they have no sense of autonomy. Um, so I think that's actually like giving them some kind of choice is really important, and my, my school did a really good job of that. Um, and I, I was really, one of the, the bigger series that I read as a kid was actually Harry Potter. Um, I don't know. There's like different feelings on Harry Potter in different circles. I don't know what you guys think of Harry Potter, but I think the general, um, the general thing that Harry Potter did for me was give me a person roughly my age to relate to doing something that was kind of a little bit beyond me because, you know, it's a wizard or witches that have powers that I don't, but they have emotions and behaviors and responses that are akin to me. So I can relate to a character that's going through something that's kind of like outside of my experience, but with my emotions and with my reactions. Um, and definitely that kind of prompted me to have that sense of adventure and that sense of, okay, now what can I do that's yeah. going to be adventurous and exciting? Um, and that can, that can turn into escapism. So you have to be cautious with that too, but that's, that was kind of my reading experience. That, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Tom. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because um, I've listened to a couple different times when Jordan Peterson talks about, like, play mm -hmm. for kids. And he was saying that the reason why kids love to play is because it's the imitation of the next level. Mm -hmm. So that's why they're like hyper focused on parents because they expect that's what they'll be in the future. So mm -hmm. they want to understand what it is. And he said that with like fiction, especially, he said it allows you to put people how you 
would normally act in a new setting with new ideas and new environment. And then you see like how your old behaviors would match the new environment. Mm -hmm. So you understand the deeper truths of people. So it's not like the ordinary everyday mundane things that you do. Yeah. But it's like, well, if you had a person that seemed ordinary, but you put them in an extraordinary circumstance, yeah. how would they challenge, be challenged in that way? What would be the outcome? Yeah. And I think that's kind of like what Harry Potter did. Mm -hmm. And I think that might be like what the Narnia Chronicles were kind of going in on. Mm -hmm. like kids, they just fall into this new world. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's like, how do they figure out what to do? But it's, it's really exciting because it, it opens a new question in your mind, like, how would you do it too? Yeah. Which I think is part of the enjoyment of reading and like being entertained is you're asking yourself if you're in that position. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> like, I don't know if you've ever, like in movies, like you see a lot of like characteristics and friends mm -hmm. and you like almost see your friends being played out in the movie, you know, yeah. like trying to figure out how they would act and stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's fun. It's kind of like, it's a game where you can try out a new world that's not your own. Mm -hmm. Then you can actually see some deep reality that you can then bring into your own way to make it a little better. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that's actually related to, um, this is, this is when I can bring in my favorite part of this topic is, so I wrote my, um, thesis on Hayao Miyazaki, who is a Japanese film director who makes a lot of children's films. Um, and that, that, ability to imitate the character in the film is what he sees as one of the most important things. And I think the important distinction there actually is that um, because with Harry Potter, like he does have superpowers. It's kind of like, oh, he's not an ordinary kid. Like he's not like every other boy. And there's a subtle distinction between like not like everyone else and like everyone else. And I think it's important to both have the extraordinary characters but also have the characters who are completely ordinary and mm -hmm. encountering the things that you would not encounter. So like a completely ordinary character placed into an extraordinary realm because that, that relation to the ordinariness um, kind of makes you think more critically about your surroundings and see the beauty or the difficulty or I actually listened to the um, Jordan Peterson video that you sent me, oh, yeah. and I really liked what you said about um, basically these stories help you realize that there's more to reality than we see, and that is true, and we need to realize that and and be in tune with the fact that there's there's more than we're picking up on, and that's a good thing, and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, um... And I think it's easy to be uh, becoming like self-involved in, in your own little bubble and kind of forget about that too. So books or, or movies like that um, give you that, that reminder. Um, and I think, you know, exercise your, um, exercise your mind in a little bit different way. And I think that's really important. Um, going back to the Harry Potter thing, cause I just wanted to touch on this. Uh, yeah, my my mom shut down the Harry Potter thing. Like, it didn't even like there there wasn't even a discussion about Harry Potter. Um, so I did not do uh, Harry Potter was not a thing. I read Chronicles of Narnia that like similar like genre. Um, Chronicles of Narnia, Lord of the Rings, and then um, what is that series called? Um, Percy Jackson, the the Lightning oh, Thief. Those. Yes, those were great. I loved them. I actually just watched. 
I, I the movies aren't don't the movies don't do them any justice. But I rewatched the movies recently because I was like, no, I haven't like I did. I think I finished reading the books. I think I read them the series twice, and I think I finished it the last time when I was like fourteen. So I was like, well, let, yeah. let me watch this. Now I actually want to go back and read the books because it like it gives you that sense of adventure that mm-hmm. that like this this extraordinary extraordinary type um, uh, realm that you just kind of want to like explore a little bit more through the books. And uh, I think that's really cool. Cause m- my, my genre of like the reading I like now is completely different. It's like, like self-help books and boring stuff like that. Like it's just <laughs> not exciting <laughs> like, or like reading autobiographies. So completely different. Um, but it's like always fun to find that like sci-fi novel, something that like takes you outside of the, the ordinary in life and makes you think a little bit harder uh, or a little bit differently. Yeah. Using the, using your, I think, imagine, going back to imagine the idea of imagination, it's really important, like even as an adult to have, just to hold on to that childlike imagination mm-hmm. as long as you can. Did you guys ever read the childhood of famous American series? No. That it's like um you read it, Tom. See now I feel like I'm yeah, not a so... homeschooler anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I I, I, okay, I, yeah. I thought it was cool because it's like it's fictionalized versions of um presidents, inventors, uh, other other famous Americans and yeah, it's kinda of along the lines of what you guys were saying of putting yourself in the shoes of the characters. Um in their respective stories i thought this was kind of cool because they were actually again fictionalized versions but also at the same time um historical fictions so are real real figures that really existed and you kind of see yourself see yourself uh through their eyes as a as when they were a child so that's another good one good series that i would recommend to anyone anyone looking for good children's books ideas I think there's one similar to that, Jake, uh, by Rush Limbaugh. Um, the oh, right. Rush uh, Rush Revere. That was the series yeah. name. And I think there was like I don't remember how many books there were. I think there, there was, was maybe uh, five or five or six. Yeah, books. there was there was Liberty of the Horse, right? Yeah, it was the magical yeah. horse that took yeah. him back in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was a good a, series. That, that was a good one. That's another good one. Yeah, if you're trying to make sure your kids stay on the straight and narrow and understand what America's all about. That's a series to, to start just handing to them, you know, when they're in the crib, hold on to it, along with like <laughs> the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence in a book, just give it to them. <laughs> I just thought of another one. Um, this one was probably my favorite series as like a fifth grader. It was uh, Inkheart. Did you guys ever read that one? Yes, that was a great series. I felt like so that good. one had a lot of really, I haven't read it since I was a kid, but it had some very balanced kind of elements because for me, that was one of those instances where the main character, she's um, she's totally ordinary. Like her dad has this special thing going on with like magical powers and whatever, but she was totally ordinary. And so it was kind of like, she was reacting to that um, and it was adventurous and it was amazing. And also brought up hard topics like death and loss and you know, introducing some of those difficult topics through the medium of story is I think really important too. 
Yeah, yeah. Was that a trilogy? Was there three to that? I think there was, was like ink, ink. Was it ink? Ink heart. Ink, ink spell. Ink spell. That's it. Yep. Yeah, those were good. Yeah, it's been a while. I should actually re. There's so many like I'd like to revisit now with a little bit more of like an a, like adult mind, adult lens, and just try to like pull like because I feel like the, the cool thing is about a lot of those books is you can go back at different stages of your life and read them, mm -hmm. and get different things from them, like different lessons you'll pull from it. And I think that's what's really cool. Like about good literature is like good literature should like no matter like if it's like a kid's like dr seuss book like you can go and read that as like a, a 50 year old a 60 year old a 70 year old and get something maybe a little bit different than you did when you were you know five years old reading the book and i think that's maybe you know when we're talking about good entertainment and bad entertainment <laughs> maybe that's something that a lot of good entertainment has that quality yeah no i think you're right yeah, we were mentioning that before the show, like, it seems like good entertainment is something that you can come back to mm -hmm. and relearn from. But there's, like, some yeah. things that you were saying, like, are too intense to come back easily to, but are really yeah. good still. Yeah, I was kind of, like, thinking about the, the difference between literature and uh, visual media, I think, can sometimes mm -hmm. be that visual media can almost be more intense because more of your senses are involved. So it's not, just, I'm sitting here reading this. It's I'm seeing it. I'm hearing it. There's now music added. There's the people around me that are experiencing it with me. Um, and so at least for me, like I can definitely be far more sensitive to visual media than I am to a book. And so I can find it difficult, even if a film is a, a great film, but if it's depressing, it's a little hard to go back to a second time, even if it's really worthwhile. No, absolutely. I like, I'll say this, you know, this was something I had, I had trouble with, with watching films with my mother. She was always, always, it was always like the one that had like the most like um, mm -hmm. lessons. And usually those were like really depressing films too. And so like now, like for a while I had this like phobia of watching just really heartfelt, like, sometimes pretty sad films. And so I avoided them at all costs because it, it does, it takes, I think it drains you in many ways. Um, if you're not ready for it, like, because you, like, I think it's hard sometimes for your brain to like, when you're seeing something that's is, that's that emotional, it's hard for your, your brain to separate it from reality uh, to a certain extent. And it, it, it becomes very involved as opposed to reading it on, on a piece of paper. It's too, two very different things. Yeah. So I just started finally getting back into dramas again, uh, or, or more, or more dramatized films. And I'm like, Oh, these are actually pretty good, but <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't do it for a while. I'd be like, uh, oh, this is too sad for me. It's, it's, yeah. a let, it's a let, it's a let down on a Friday night. It's not quite like watching like, uh, <laughs> like, uh, I don't know, like the Avengers or like a, a Kevin Hart, like comedy. You're just like, uh, you know, like something like that, but yeah. No, I feel like the, the subject of good entertainment is so vast. I'm just thinking about it more and more. I'm like, there's multiple genres. And then it's like, what makes a drama or genre good? 
what makes it poor, what makes it stand out and get popular. It's like, man, this is like a huge mm-hmm. idea. Yeah, we did ourselves in. Like, I mean, yeah. this, this is like trying to like tackle the question of the meaning of life. I mean, a little bit smaller, but like pretty, pretty close. <laughs> Yeah, it really is. And, and then with my outline and the general questions, we didn't narrow it down at all. So <laughs> that, that's on me, guys. <laughs> exploratory. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's what this is about. You know, just just having a having a conversation. And if I if I get a few cans of energy drinks in me, get you know cracked out on caffeine, it's it's even better. <laughs> uh, um, well, I don't I don't want to. Um, drag this on too long because I, I do I, I do want to be respectful of everybody's time and I know we're creeping on like an hour and I think 20 minutes so if is there anything else we should cover before we call it a night um is there anything I missed in my in my very in-depth outline <laughs> I want to emphasize the importance of beautiful children's films yeah, because, um, yeah, it's something that particularly I think as as Disney has almost gotten the monopoly on children's films, it's kind of like it's just produced to be eye-catching and not produced to be actually beautiful and reflective of reality. It's almost pure escapism at, at many points. Um, so beautiful, complex children children's films I think are really important. Yeah, absolutely. Are there any, oh, no, sorry, Tom, go ahead. Well, Eastland did her um, thesis on Miyazaki's the idea of like, well, I guess maybe you could tell like what your main focus was because I was trying to think about it, but I don't know if I understood perfectly, so. Yeah, okay, so I was introduced to Miyazaki in high school. watched one of his films and then continued watching his films in college and it was junior year when i was watching kiki's delivery service which is like a story about like a 13 year old witch um and was like relating to her as a 20 something year old and i was like all right these films are different what's what's going on here why am i relating in this way um so i started kind of exploring him and my my thesis essentially just explored what he's trying to do in his films because I think a lot of people, their initial reaction is like, wow, this is really weird. Um, and I don't understand what's going on. And I'm kind of freaked out. And I think that that primarily has to do with us being American, because um, they're the, his films are very, very Japanese. Um, but essentially, what he's doing is, is what you were mentioning, where you take an ordinary person and put them in a context outside of our context, watch the way that they would react, and you can relate to them. Um, and he talks about the, the way that he wanted his films to inspire kids to do things and to interact with their environments. Um, like, all right, I'm going to bring in a quote. I actually like have this, um, yeah, he's like very focused on just showing reality as, as it is. Um, and you know, he's talking about he says, isn't the world like that? That is all. It's just showing that there are sunny days and cloudy days and sudden evening downpours and nights when the wind wind blows. And he's like getting at having this like unclouded vision and you're kind of like 
putting yourself in this new world, this fantasy world in order to engage with your world. And so it's not an escapism. It's like a transformation of your vision of reality. Hmm. That's really cool. I actually had the privilege to see the Spirit of the Way movie before your oration. Oh, you came to the movie night? Yeah. yeah. So like, I got to see like what Eastland was focusing on with oration as a movie and then like your thoughts on it because I was also like in the room when you're talking about it too mm-hmm. and like my mind was blown like I was just thinking <laughs> of, well I'm learning so much right now like just about things that I had questions about for a while and it just mm-hmm. all started to line up it's really cool like I wouldn't have thought that you could have gotten so much from the movie but yeah. I was like it actually I think made a paradigm shift in my mind of like just looking at movies now as a way to learn a lot more about my own life rather for it's more like escapism like when yeah. you're tired and you want to do something fun you do this mm-hmm. but now it's like well i'd like to invite friends and like talk to them about it and mm-hmm. like see what their thoughts are and what they saw from the movie so mm-hmm. i'm grateful for that but i i wanted to like share a little bit of what i experienced from yeah, yeah that's great to hear yeah. <laughs> really cool yeah so and the cool thing about that is then you're, you know, you're um, using entertainment as a means to connect with other people. And I think that's like, I think that's something that's really cool. No matter what you're doing is like, if you find something um, to, to get people together and, and have a conversation about no matter what it is, um, and it brings people together, I, I think that's probably one of the most fulfilling forms of entertainment you'll find is when you find a community that's based around it. Um, so that's, that's really cool. That's really cool. I have a, qu- a quick question. Have you ever been to Japan? Or no? no, I actually, after watching Miyazaki and like learning more about him, I'd really like to go, but I'd okay. like to see the countryside. I've heard it's beautiful. Um, it's on my list. I was, my, my sister's in the Marines. And so I was hoping she was going to get stationed in Japan and uh, you know, it, it didn't work out so um it's, it's still on my list of places to go but now it's like toward a little bit further down down the list but uh it's the i went to china during college and i mean just like being able to immerse yourself in a different culture like it's it's really incredible and and being able to study like um a either a writer or a set of novels or even you know uh, movies like that it's it's a really it's a unique way to experience the culture because um, I feel like you really get like a, a very in-depth um, look at how 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 you know different people think and stuff like that so that's that's really cool that's really cool yeah highly recommend all of his films and where can you can you find them just I mean you you probably can't find them on Netflix um, Actually, they're on HBO Max. So if you oh, have- on HBO Max, there you go. That's the one to go to. You know, get rid of your Netflix subscription. <laughs> I'm all for it. Get yeah. rid of them. I'm not. A, I don't really like HBO, but they have. They have. Oh, actually, they might. It's either HBO Max or Disney Plus. I'm not sure. Uh, oh, okay. Because I just own all of the movies. Um, okay. But it's one of those subscriptions. Yeah, I have. I have access to too many of the streaming services. Oh, I'll be able. I'll be able to find them. We'll figure it out. Um, but yeah, that's really, that's really cool. I'll have to, I'll have to check them out. Definitely.
All right. Um, Jake, do you have anything else or are we good to close it out for this evening? Yeah. Yeah. I think that was really, really great conversation and appreciate you coming on Eastland. Yeah. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for, thanks for taking the time out of your night. I know um, it's always, it's always, it, it, it actually, when, <laughs> when, when trying to schedule out um, guests to come on, it's always like, oh, it's at, we start at, at what time is it over there? 7.30 that we start over there. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> but like, I was trying to get some people on and I'm like, yeah, it starts at 9.30 and people are like, what? <laughs> They're like, oh, okay. 7.30 is fine. <laughs> yeah, 7.30 is a little bit more manageable, but still it's like your, your evening's gone after that. But no, th th thanks for coming on. And it was, uh, it was great to chat and um, I'm glad, I'm glad you came on and it's a great conversation. So. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Of course, of course, anytime. You're welcome back anytime you want. Um, but yeah, thanks thanks to everybody that tuned into this episode. Um, hope you guys enjoyed the show. If you did, leave us uh, a like, a comment, a review. We appreciate it. Uh, we always love to get feedback. Um, if this is your first time and you like what you heard, go give us a follow at the Green Dragon Podcast on YouTube, Instagram, and True Social, and the Green Dragon Pod on Rumble and Twitter. Um, you can find the podcast also if you want to listen on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, this week's episode, typically episodes come out 5 a.m. on Friday, so you can listen on your way to work. This week, don't look for it on YouTube because, or last week's podcast, I guess if you're listening, uh, we're dropping the Prepper podcast. And because of the content that we covered, we decided not to put it on YouTube so we didn't get demonetized. Um, so you can find it on Rumble. We're on Rumble, people. So um, find us on Rumble. Until next time, be safe, be prepared, fight for what you believe in, and most importantly, be a good American. God bless. Mm -hmm.